have any idea why you don't understand what happened here. Give me a call and I'll walk you through the text. So give me a call. Talk to you later. Uh, call me on the house phone because I'll keep the messages on my phone that I texted you yesterday. Bye. Hi. And welcome to the Insert Clever and Witty Name Here podcast. I'm Mike, and that was my dad. I'll explain that voicemail message in just a second, but you may have heard if we're Facebook friends or you've seen any of my posts on Twitter or Instagram or if you listen every morning to My Mornings with Mike Pesto on the new My 97.5 that um, Wednesday, last week, doctors let us know that without the risk of doing irreversible harm to his windpipe, that the ventilator that my dad had been on after... being diagnosed with West Nile and meningitis that had set in to his spinal column. He needed to be taken off that ventilator. And there was an option that we could have then put a trach through his throat, which required surgery, and hook a ventilator up to that. That could have kept him alive. But um, our thinking was, after a week of being on the ventilator, that we needed to put my mom's husband, my sister, our father, in God's hands. And we decided, as a family... <laughs> and it got ugly. <laughs> it got heated. It got emotional. It got passionate. Um, as nerves were frayed, as you can imagine. But we we all did agree that the decision of whether my dad was going to stay with us or move on was going to be left in the hands of our Heavenly Father. So, Wednesday, last week, around 10.45 or so, they asked us to remove ourselves from the room. This was at Tenant Health in Templeton, just outside of Paso Robles, where my mom now lives. Excused ourselves in the room, they removed the ventilation tube, turned off the ventilator, and I um, I was convinced. I was convinced in looking at his vitals and his oxygen level, which for the most part during the day stayed at 100 and what little I learned in the past few weeks or so 
that anything between 95 and 100 is great. You're fine. His pulse improved. His breathing improved. Everything seemed to improve. As the day went on, we were all in there. I don't think any one of us left for more than five minutes to go to the bathroom or to get something to drink or just to walk out for a moment and then come right back in. But my mom noticed that his breathing seemed to be getting shallower. And it got to around 6 o'clock. And they were going to weigh visiting hours for us knowing that things were dire. So I went and talked to his nurse out in the hallway. I said, listen, I, I have the day off today to be here to see what's going to happen. I'm, I, I said, I'm looking at the vitals. Things are looking good. My mom seems to think that he's breathing more shallow than he had been. I know you can't give me any guarantee, but does it look like he's going to make it through the night? I mean, I can come back again tomorrow. I just, I, I have to get back to work. She said, I can't really can't give you any guarantee, but do you have to go? In retrospect, the way she asked that question, I should have said no and made a phone call. And I said, no, I, I really have to get back. I, I work at a radio station in the San Joaquin Valley in Visalia, and I, I have the day off today to be here for my mom and my sister. And Again, things are looking good, so I'm, I'll be back tomorrow if I need to be. She said, okay. So I got home, two-hour drive from Paso Robles to our house here in Visalia. And um, I hadn't taken any time for me really, the whole time this has been going on. This has been difficult on my wife as well, so there have been times I've needed to be there for her as best I could, really, truly hoping that she would not have this hit her as hard as it is and just be able to be there for me, but I understood. And then really having to be there for my mom and to a little lesser extent my sister, um, she has her husband who she can lean on as well. But I hadn't really taken any time for me. And one thing that I do uh, consistently through my entire life is when I've needed me time is I take walks. I just, I will just, <laughs> I've been known here in my cell to just walk through some of the orchards or around the orchards or walk from my house to Mooney Grove Park and just kind of walk through the park. Um, and then just kind of walk back and, and walk for miles and miles and miles and not even know where I am. Just let my mind take me to places I need to be taken. So I walked out of the house and I took a walk. I must have gotten home around maybe quarter to ten. I could look on my phone for the exact time, but I don't want to. Because I still have it. I have the text from my mom letting me know that dad is gone. I was 
I was shocked because of what I saw when I was in the hospital and seeing his vitals and not either seeing or maybe just not wanting to see what my mom saw and not wanting to hear what was really behind the question from that nurse when she asked if I really needed to go. Me being there wouldn't have changed what happened. But I would have been there for his last breath. I've been there with my mom and my sister and as a family of four as we started off as so many years ago. Just share that moment with them. Knowing that my mom's husband, that our father was gone. <sighs> I was trying to explain it to my wife at one point this weekend because neither one of us have any grandparents left. And she's very close to her family, incredibly close to her family. She uh, was born and raised, my wife was, in Pacific Grove. And most of her relatives all within, live within walking distance practically of her. It's, it's, I guess you get into an area like that where the homes can... Literally, we're talking a, a shack can go for a million five. It's that part of California. Pacific Grove is right near Pebble Beach. Uh, in fact, from my in-law's house, you can walk down the road. There's a cul-de-sac. At the end of that cul-de-sac, if you walk through that cul-de-sac and there's a road just beyond it, you are on Pebble Beach property. Another few hundred yards from there, there's a golf course that is, again, on Pebble Beach. So you get into those types of areas, you, you don't sell <laughs> ever. Houses stay in families for years and years and years and years. And if you can't afford to stay, you stay in that part of the country. It's beautiful. But my wife lived her entire life at the same address and didn't move until I moved her three quarters of the way across the country to Peoria, Illinois. Needless to say, I was not a favorite, I can imagine, with my wife's side of the family, specifically with my in-laws. So I was the bad sheep of the family twice. Once because I didn't get into my mom and dad's family business of selling insurance and had this weird, crazy dream of getting into radio. And then I corrupt another family <laughs> by taking a woman out of the only home she's ever lived in and move her from California to middle of the state, Illinois, eventually moving her back, but still now three hours away from home as opposed to being three blocks away from home. So again, needless to say, my wife, very close with her family, and she doesn't have her grandparents either. And we were talking about that. And she asked me, in trying to, 
to understand what it is that I'm going through because she still has both of her parents. She asked me, how difficult was it when you lost your grandmother, knowing how close I was to my grandmother, my mom's mom. She was the last grandparent I had left at that point. And it, it killed me. Um, but it was different in her case because her husband had passed years and years and years and years prior. And she lived an entire life, really, after he passed. First living in the house that they made a home together where my mom and my uncle grew up. And then once she could no longer take care of that house just with the daily maintenance of it, and knowing she could get quite a bit for it, sold it, and got a condo a little closer to where my uncle lived at the time. This is in Des Plaines, Illinois, which is the closest neighboring city to O'Hare International Airport. So chances are, if you've ever flown into or out of Chicago, you've flown right over Des Plaines. The air traffic there is insane. So that woman who... <laughs> it's amazing the things that she's done and been a part of and grew up in Oklahoma and then with a few of her sisters moved to Chicago and the Chicagoland area and met my grandfather. Lost him when I was just a kid. But I'm, I think, the only grandchild of his that has any real memories of him whatsoever. My sister was just a baby, and I don't think any of my other cousins were born. So I had some tremendous ties to my grandmother and hated seeing her go, but she wanted to go. She kept on asking, you know, why am I still here? I want to go be with my husband. And eventually she passed. But you knew that's where she wanted to be. And she was in hospice at home for the longest time. So when my wife asked me how painful that was, it was. It was very painful. I didn't know about her wanting to pass until she actually already had. I had a feeling, again, because she was older, older than my dad when he passed last week. But sensing where my wife was going with that questioning, I said, it was painful when I lost my grandma. And you know how painful it was. I said, losing my dad, especially losing him this way, where my mom says goodbye to him in the hospital, and I'll see you tomorrow. And then my mom and I go to the hospital the next morning, and he's non-responsive with eyes open but not making eye contact with anyone from that point until the day he passed last week. This is a hundred times worse than when we lost my grandma. I wouldn't even say we lost her. She moved on. It was time for her to go. It feels like we lost my dad. And I say that, and at the same time, 
while all this is going on with the loss of my dad and being there for my mom and my sister and trying to stay strong while at the same time allowing me to break down on occasion. And I have, trust me, I have. My wife has seen it. My mom and sister have seen it. I'm not one of those overly proud guys that never let him see you cry. I mean, we've had that conversation previously. I whole reason I have this podcast structured the way it is is I want to take down some of those walls that are up in so many other presentations like this or even some of the things that I do on my 97.5 and just be me and let you see and hear me. I've lost it several times. I will lose it several more, I'm sure, especially on the day of the 23rd when we say goodbye to him publicly for the last time with family and friends around uh, on that Friday later this month. As I was trying to explain that to my wife, I also told her, I'm, I, I'm, I'm apologizing for how callous this sounds. I said to her, I apologize, but you're not going to get this until one of your two parents pass. I, I thought I did. I thought I was going to understand it. I may have mentioned previously that when I saw the Disney Pixar movie Onward and when they bring Dad back to life for what was supposed to be an entire day but only turned out to be a few moments when he did disappear again forever. I hadn't seen the movie before. I didn't know that scene was coming. I had done a lot of research on the movie, apparently, and I lost it. I, I, I bawled. And my kids were, huh? <laughs> they were, they were a bit confused by Daddy's reaction. And my wife came over and just gave me this huge hug. She's like, what's wrong? What's wrong? I mean, she's never seen anything like that from me. And I told her, at some point, my dad's going to be gone forever, just like he was just now in this movie. And that was months before any of this even started to happen. So even having that experience of knowing at some point he was going to be gone, it still didn't prepare me for what happened last week Wednesday. Nothing can, I'm convinced, prepare anyone for a parent of theirs moving on or, God forbid, losing a child. But as I think about the pain that I'm feeling and what my mom and sister are going through, while all this has been happening, there's been what's been happening in Florida with that building that in the middle of the night, just a portion of it just collapsed. And um, with the impending tropical storm may become a hurricane for a host of reasons. The rest of the building had to be um, leveled to make sure it didn't come down and any other structures or hurt anyone. And even as the rest of that structure came down, they've 
been finding more bodies in the rubble. We'll never know until we push on and are no longer here. If my dad heard any of the things that we said, felt our kisses and our hugs, and felt how much we loved him and how much we were going to miss him, we'll never know if any of that registered or if he was already in a very real sense gone. I was telling my mom yesterday, my dad believed. He was born and raised Catholic, but he had questions. I think as we all do, but he really had questions about what heaven was like and what you could do and what you couldn't do. And he just had, I hesitate using the word fears, but yeah, he had some fears regarding it. He did not want to die. <laughs> he really didn't. And he certainly didn't want to go first. If my mom had already passed, I don't think he would have stuck around as long as he did in trying to recover from the meningitis brought on by West Nile. But I was talking about it with my mom and, and thinking back to the week or so that he was still here, but again wasn't responsive, wasn't gripping a hand when asked to do so, not blinking his eyes when asked to do so, but you'd swear every once in a while his, his eyes would lock into yours for like a second or so, and then he'd gaze off into space again. This may be overly romanticizing it, but there's a part of me that wants to believe that God needed that time with him still on earth, still very much alive as his vitals were great up until the very end. Um, that God used that time to allow him, because I think we all, um, we, we have to decide on our own that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior, that he died for us in forgiveness of our sins, in the hopes of bringing us to everlasting life. And if there was a fear around that, if there was any doubt around that, because I don't know how I feel about purgatory. My wife and I and, and, and many others have had the conversation about that. I've, I've never read anything about purgatory in the Bible, and I'm very much a, a Bible-believing Christian. If it's not in the Bible, then I have a harder time believing it. If it is in the Bible, I have a very difficult time refuting it or putting it in a, well, that was back then. That's, those aren't the words that Jesus really meant. Well, it seems pretty obvious that that's what he meant, but I have that conversation another day. So maybe he needed that time to, um, to accept wholeheartedly every aspect of God, our Heavenly Father, Jesus Christ, and the kingdom. And then once he had, he breathed his last. Again, probably over-romanticizing it, but it kind of is what helped me get through the past few days or so. So I started 
things off this week with a voicemail message, which you heard about 25 minutes or so ago. I want to I wanna play this for you again. And I want to spend the rest of our time this week, for those who didn't know him, introducing you to my dad. I don't have any idea why you don't understand what happened here. <laughs> give, give me a call and I'll walk you through the text. So give me a call. Talk to you later. Uh, call me on the house phone because I'll keep the messages on my phone that I texted you yesterday. Bye. All right, so first of all, that was, I talk to my dad every day for the past year or so since COVID really got a strong hold on the country and the state. And, um, people deciding, as my folks did, it would be best if they limited their interactions with others. And, and with my wife in the medical profession, we did at, uh, with us as well. I mean, we really just, we we locked it down. My son and I both got COVID-19. So we didn't have bad cases of it, but we still had to deal with it. That message from my dad followed a text exchange back and forth. And I, I'm scrolling through my text messages right now, and unfortunately I, I don't have the original message from him where we were going back and forth. But from memory, what had happened was he texted me, forgetting that bedtime for me for the most part, Sunday through Thursday, is 8 p.m. I typically don't answer my phone, respond to texts anytime after that because I, I need to start winding down at that point. 4.15 rolls around real early in the morning. I can muddle through a show or two on four hours of sleep a couple days in a row, but that starts pushing it after that. I ain't the same guy that lived in Las Vegas and could do that for weeks on end, and I did. And I'll talk about that one of these days on one of these podcasts. But I, I, I didn't see a text message from him late the night before. And then the following morning, he grabbed his phone and saw what he had texted me thinking that it was something I had sent him. So in a very real sense, he was responding to his own text, but he didn't understand what was on his phone that he thought was from me, that was actually from him. So his text to me the following morning was, what's this all about? And I'm seeing three or four texts in a row, and it was a text back from me. What's what all about? Well, the text you just sent me. I didn't send you a text. Those are your texts. <laughs> and we went back and forth for a little while on it until eventually he called while I was still on the air. And I try not to answer my cell phone on the air. So that's when he left that voicemail message. Uh, again, it, you know, very frustrated. <laughs> asking me to give him a call because he didn't understand. And then when I actually talked to him, I, as he requested in that voicemail message, I actually called him on the house phone, on their landline, so that way he could have the phone handy and go through it. And I said, okay, so back up. So do you see some of the texts are gray and some are blue? The ones that are blue 
are the ones that you sent me. And I said, oh, let me check. And and then, <laughs> and then begrudgingly realized, oh, okay, I see. I see what I did. My dad um, was not always the best at uh, saying I'm sorry. I, I knew at times when he was, he would say everything except those two words. And I can't remember if he used them in that context or not. But, I mean, he didn't need to. Yeah, again, that's, that's my dad. So that was, um, that was a message that I had found in my phone. It's actually still there, obviously, because I, I just played it, in my deleted voicemail messages. Um, I thought that all of those were gone, but one of the great things about the iPhone that I have, and I'm sure it's like everybody's, is you delete things, voicemail messages, but until you delete the deleted, they're still in there. In fact, I'm scrolling through my phone right now. I'm seeing a ton of old voicemail messages from him. There's one more that I want to play for you. I'm looking for it right now. If I get a chance to speak after the service, he, my dad is being cremated. I don't believe he has yet. I think that's going to happen next week. Uh, so I will... I'll never see his body again here on earth. Um, well, I take it back. And again, this will be a bigger conversation at some point down the road. But when we all return to earth in a glorified form, I will see his body on earth again. But that's who knows how long from now. But with him being cremated, I, I the last time I saw him this go around, put it that way, was Wednesday night before I left. Since he is being cremated, they're not doing any t anything to preserve the body. I believe they're just um, keeping him in a cool place so that... I don't even want to think about it. So he, they're keeping him in a cool place until he is cremated. And my mom will take his ashes and bring them home. And then when she passes, they'll both be laid to rest at a cemetery in Seaside. So I don't know with it being an actual Catholic service for you know, the ceremony for him, what uh, is going to be done as far as anyone saying anything on his behalf, but there'll be a gathering afterwards at the church hall, and I may or may not be asked to say a few words at that point. That's one of the things when you do what I do for a living, sometimes you become the default speaker for the family, which I don't mind in this case. It's going to be difficult. But uh, there's one last voicemail message I wanted to play for you before telling you a few more things about my dad. This, uh, and I played this on the air Thursday morning last week. This voicemail message perfectly wraps up a very specific aspect of my relationship with my dad while also perfectly uh, encapsulating the relationship my dad had with technology. My dad would love to call me up, especially during Cubs games or, in this case, it was during a Chicago Bears game, and tell me about 
players doing things they shouldn't have been doing or coaches making calls they shouldn't have made or umpires are this or referees are that. So this was from November 29th of last year, just a few days after my birthday, as it turned out. And, uh, well, I'll play a portion of it for you. It's a four-minute-long voicemail. It's exactly four minutes long. Now, as I say that, maybe you know exactly where this is going. But this was the voicemail message I got from my dad, November 29th, 2020. Hello? Hey, it's Ronald. You're watching this disaster, <laughs> the Packers. You know, and the Packers don't ever get called for anything, it seems to me. There were, on that last play, there were two different Packers grabbed uh, Trubisky's face mask, probably caused him to lose the ball. No call, no call. <laughs> it's just, it's just, the league is definitely in favor of the play. <laughs> Not that the Bears are anything. Oh, no. <laughs> anyway, talk to you later, bye. All right, so that part of the voicemail message was about 38 seconds long. This is the part that shows my dad's hate-hate relationship he had with technology. I'm sure he thought he hung up. I'm positive he thought he hung up, but quite obviously he hadn't because the rest of the entire four-minute-long voicemail message is... The commercials, the football game, and on, and on, and on. <laughs> that, that was my dad. So I played that on the air last week, Thursday, um, laughing while choking back tears. <sighs> it's really not going to be easy. My dad was one of a kind. I don't think he ever went to college. I know he didn't graduate, but I don't think he ever even went. His dream, one of his many dreams, was that I was going to be the first one in our family to graduate from college. My sister and I both went. I went a little farther than she did. I think she and I both got our AA degrees from community college, and then I went to San Francisco State University. And as my mom was pointing out, got this close to a degree before I got a job in radio. And I thought, well, I'm going to school to be in radio. Now I'm being offered a full-time job in radio. And this opportunity may not be around by the time I graduate, so I got to strike while the iron's hot. Um, one of my many regrets that um, for myself and for my dad, that I never got that degree. I never went back. I shouldn't say that. I did go back at one point when I was living in Las Vegas, and I took some classes at UNLV with the intention at the time of getting enough credits to actually get my BA. And I took a few, and I loved it. I, lo I love higher education and being in that environment where there's critical thinking and you can question everything and the more that the better and support your arguments with facts and uh, something Facebook does not encourage <laughs> as much anymore or most posts online, whether it's Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. 
But you know, be that as it may, maybe again another subject for another podcast. But my dad really wanted that for me. And I I didn't give it to him. Uh, there are a few things I did give him over the years. Our two grandkids, first and foremost, or his two grandkids. My son, Anthony, and daughter, Alessandra. Alessandra is the only girl of the five, four grandkids that he has. There's Austin, my oldest nephew, Adam, my youngest. And then there's my son, Anthony, and Alessandra. So I know he loves them both. I'm not even going to say loved because I'm, I'm sure he still loves them. So I did have a hand in making sure that the last name will survive. <laughs> Assuming no pressure on my son that he gets married and has kids at some point. I am sad that my dad wasn't able to stick around to see that happen wasn't able to stick around to see Anthony or Alessandra go to college and maybe be the first in our family to graduate from college. My nephew Adam is actually going to Sac State right now, so he may actually be the first in the family to accomplish that feat. And we'll see if he does, then he will be the first in our family to do that. But whenever you lose someone, there's always... I mean, that that bookmarker gets placed somewhere in the book. It's never at the end. I mean, the, the book is life. But at some point, your bookmarker goes in, and that's as far as you get a chance to read. There are certain milestones you get a chance to be a part of and experience, whether they be your own milestones or the milestones of others that you get to experience with them. But then once that bookmark is put in, the book is still there. And maybe you're allowed to know what happens with the rest of that book. Maybe my dad now knows the next time the Cubs are going to win the World Series. It's probably not going to be this year based on how they're playing. Our Chicago Cubs have not won a single baseball game since my dad passed. As I'm sitting here this afternoon, they've lost 10 games in a row. I don't think any team in baseball has done that this year. So I'm now convinced that my dad was the Chicago Cubs good luck charm all these years after all. Because once he's gone, look what happens to our team. <sighs> I'm going to miss our walks. In fact, Thursday, which was an incredibly difficult show to do. I was on the air hours after hearing that my dad had passed. But my dad was a workaholic. He worked through things I probably will never know. And, you know, seriously, what do I do? I sit in a room by myself for four hours and I play music and I talk every once in a while. I can do that. I can get through this. And I did. And I dedicated the entire show to him. And there were some difficult songs that came up. Um, not so much by the lyrical content, but by the title, 
father figure from George Michael and missing you from Diana Ross and uh, a host of other songs that made me realize that he was gone. So that was a difficult show to do for four hours. And then I knew I was going to do it. I didn't necessarily want to, but I knew I had to. I was going to take that walk that I take after the show. And the first person I called was my wife. It's usually my folks, but I called my wife first. And she didn't answer immediately. And when she did, she seemed a little surprised. She said, I thought you were taking a walk with your dad. Because I told her, I want to take a walk with my dad after the show. I said, I am. I'm just not ready yet. I wasn't. So I talked with her for the first a quarter of my walk down Main Street, downtown Visalia. And I called my mom. And I hadn't talked with her yet since my dad's passing. And there were tears, a lot of tears. And initially talking about what's next and when is she going to see me again? What needs to be done at this point? <sighs> Dotting I's and crossing T's once some of the emotion came out. And that was for another quarter of my walk. And then I got to the halfway point and turned around and started walking back to the station. And that was when I put my phone in my pocket. And I just said, okay, Dad, I don't need the phone to talk to you anymore. I said, I don't know how this works. I don't know if I can talk to you or if I have to pray to God through Jesus. I, I, I don't know. I don't know how it works. It's the, there's so much I don't know with this. And I think that's what scared my dad. Again, why he was so afraid to pass. It's the I don't knows. I think that's true with all of us, though. No one has ever been for any extended length of time and then come back. There are many who have flatlined and then come back and they have stories of of what they saw, what they experienced, and there seems to be some commonality in seeing light and feeling peaceful and in some cases not wanting to come back to this earth, which I completely understand. I don't know what my dad experienced. Again, the romantic side of me wants to say that as he was breathing his last here, maybe he exhaled. And his first inhale on the other side, he was with my grandma and his stepfather and his actual father and my two aunts, his sisters, and everyone else who has already passed. I want to think that, and I will think that until proven otherwise. But that's what my walk was like 
coming back to the station and spending time just talking with him and telling him how much I'm going to miss him and how much I love him and how grateful and honored I was to be his son and that he was my dad. It's not going to be easy going out without him. But that's what he would want. It's what my kids need. It's what my wife needs. I'm not going anywhere anytime soon. And when I do go, it's because it's God's will. So thank you for allowing me to um, introduce you to my dad and my relationship with him. For those who didn't know him and for those who did, maybe you learned something about him you didn't know before. Dad, know that I do miss you and I love you. And I will see you again as I one day exhale here for the last time. And I pray when I inhale there that I'll see your face. Thanks for listening.